0: we shall deal with putin like with a man of the lost reason he's just simply mad he's just simply crazy he's just simply evil to come here to kill ukrainian
1: former ukrainian president poroshenko on the streets of kiev friday morning as putin's forces close in From Pacifica Radio, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Elsewhere in California, on KFOI, Red Bluff, Redding, KKRN, Round Mountain, KGOE, Eureka. In Oregon, on KYAQ, on the Central Coast, KSO, in Cottage Grove, KEPW, and Eugene. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, WLRI, Maui, Hawaii, KAKU. Columbus, Ohio, WGRN, Palinville, New York, WLPP, Rochester, New York, WRFZ, New Orleans, Louisiana, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico, KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas, KPSQ, Seattle, Washington, KODX, and Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950, KTNF. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe. Streaming on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing the globe five days a week. Usually hosted by Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. But he's got a tooth thing today going on. So once again, you got me. I'm Nicole Sandler. I host The Nicole Sandler Show, based at NicoleSandler.com. Kind of self-explanatory. So this is the part of the show where I usually tell you what guest we have coming up and then launch into the latest news. Well, our guest today is Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net. More about her in a moment. But the lead story is Vladimir Putin's full-on invasion of an assault on Ukraine. The situation is rapidly escalating, and U.S. intelligence is warning that Kiev could fall in the next couple of days. Early Friday morning, Eastern time in the United States, Friday afternoon in Ukraine, CNN connected with former Ukraine president Petro Poroshenko on the streets in Kiev he was with a small group of armed resistors. His message was that they need help. They need weapons and support against Putin, and they are not giving in.
0: I try to do my best that the world should know the truth about situation in Ukraine. We, Ukrainians are not standing in line for the bread or for the cash from the bank uh, machine. We are standing in line for the weapons. We are standing in line to give our blood to the, our uh, soldiers. And with this situation, uh, definitely we demonstrate a unique quality that we can stand against Russian aggression, we can stand against Russian occupation. We are united together with the whole world. This is extremely important for us that we feel that we are not alone, that you are together with us. We are fighting for democracy and freedom against Russian aggressor without any reason uh, Putin uh, make an attack of us and this uh, the maximum you can this is the name sanction from the hell this is direct uh, message from the great leader of the Western world and Putin should feel himself in the hell this is his future and your sanction definitely helps came to feel exactly like that.
1: I'll link to the full segment at bradblog.com where this show will be posted. That's also where I'll introduce you to an amazing woman named Olga Resnikova. She's the mother of two young children, and for years now she's hosted a YouTube channel all about life in Ukraine. Well, now she's sharing her family's experience as their world has been turned upside down along with the invasion by Putin and Russia's army. She and her family had already left Kiev and are now in the town of Lviv, which was considered to be safer until now.
2: I was telling you in previous videos that um, Lviv, this is some kind of like place where everybody is hiding and considering it safe. Now also they're bombing Lviv, so it's not safe anymore. There is no safe really place which can be considered in Ukraine. So actually, if you want to run, you need to run out of country or don't run anywhere and stay on the place where you are. Uh, So for me now, we decided that, yeah, maybe I guess we need to leave, uh, try to leave to Poland because people are saying that, there is a huge, crazy traffic uh, jam. It's not even traffic jams, It's just the, so many people try to go out and go out of country. And uh, I have friends who are from 2 a.m. And now it's about uh, 11 and they still didn't even see where is the checkpoint. And, you know, so I assume that the waiting time will be something like 24 hours. And I have uh, two small kids. One is at all infant and... Uh, I'm not really sure how it can be, but we will try to move and we will try to go out because I don't, I see my daughter, she really starts understanding everything what's happening and I don't want her to hurt her psychological uh, um, health. Uh, if she will be start having explosions here, if I would have options to avoid her to see it. I don't know if you will be able to cross the border, what will happen on the way, how the things will be. I will be keep informing you. I will promise to record video and post. I will not have, I guess, opportunity to... Edit video, but uh, I will be posting it at least as uh, stories in YouTube. So keep please watching my channel and I will be updating you about everything. Again, I'll link to
1: Olga's YouTube channel at bradblog.com. Do yourself a favor and follow her. She's posting videos constantly and keeping us informed about what's happening over there in real time. So rather than try to deal with the latest news here, which will undoubtedly be outdated by the time you get to hear it today on the broadcast i'll share an interview i did with marcy wheeler we spoke on monday just a few days ago though our section on russia and ukraine is already a bit outdated by now her observations as always are spot on so, in a moment, Marcy Wheeler gives us updates on the January 6th investigation and prosecutions, the Fox Not News disinformation campaign about John Durham's investigation into the origins of the Russia probe, and yes, a bit about Russia's war on Ukraine. Stick around.
3: I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast. <coughs> making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks.
1: I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host for the broadcast today. Now before we get to Marcy Wheeler, a bit of breaking news. And it's good news that I'm thrilled to report. President Joe Biden's pick for the Supreme Court is Ketanji Brown Jackson. The 51-year-old judge, if confirmed, will be the first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court. She'll also be the only former public defender on the now heavily conservative-leaning bench. Although Senator Lindsey Graham was one of three Republicans who voted for her confirmation to the D.C. appeals court just eight months ago, he's now, of course, showing his true hypocritical colors. Tweeting, quote, if media reports are accurate and Judge Jackson has been chosen as the Supreme Court nominee to replace Justice Breyer, it means the radical left has won President Biden over yet again. I know it's a bad Lindsey Graham imitation, but bear with me. It's great news. Okay. Now, into the meat of the show. She really needs no introduction at this point. Marcy Wheeler is one of the best independent journalists working out there. She concentrates on matters of national security and civil liberties, and she does her reporting at her own sort of eponymous website, emptywheel.net. I spoke with Marcy on my show, The Nicole Sandler Show, which is based at NicoleSandler.com, on Monday, President's Day. There's so much I could talk with Marcy Wheeler about. So I decided we'd focus on three areas. The three areas are obviously Russia and Ukraine, right? Mm -hmm. The Durham investigations finding versus the Fox coverage of it. (laughs) And the January 6th committee progress and sentencings and stuff like that. I think we need to start with Durham, though, because that's been the story that dominated the week until it kind of didn't.
4: Yeah. A week ago Friday, close to midnight East Coast time, Durham submitted a filing claiming that there were potential conflicts on Michael Sussman's defense team. Remember, Michael Sussman is the cybersecurity lawyer for Perkins Coy and as such had a role in the Hillary Clinton response to being hacked in 2016. And he's accused of lying to F- then FBI general counsel James Baker in September 2016 when he brought these allegations that there was some anomalous traffic between um, Alpha Bank and tr- and Trump's email provider, as well as Spectrum Health and Trump's email provider. And so that's what we're that's the case is that Durham purportedly is trying to prove that Michael Sussman lied to the FBI, okay. and um, almost five months after charging Michael Sussman and knowing full well who was on Michael Sussman's legal team, Durham out of the blue said, oh, we think there's a potential conflict. We want to have a hearing so that um, Michael Sussman has to go on the record and say these aren't real conflicts. And as part of that they expanded a description of a meeting that took place on February 9th 2017 so 5 days and two, 5 years and 2 days before they submitted this filing uh-huh. which is important yeah. And they said that Rodney Jaffe, who is this tech exec who, until he retired after the Sussman charges to kind of defend against getting charged himself, played a really critical role in American cybersecurity because he basically ran the phone books. This is shorthand. But he ran the phone books for a significant part of the Internet, and as such... He tried to see who was who was rifling through the phone books for addresses that were odd or confusing or came from weird places. And so um, Durham expanded on an allegation they made in the actual indictment saying that this guy, Rodney Jaffe, um, had used this phone book information. Again, this is shorthand, not technically accurate. Right. But used this phone book information, including phone book information from the White House, and that Michael Sussman brought that information to the CIA in this February 9th, 2017 meeting to the CIA. Okay. Not charged, by the way. And so because it was five years and two days earlier than this filing, it seems fairly clear that Durham has decided that that in and of itself is not going to be charged. The, the using statute? the White House phone book is not going to be charged and the meeting with the CIA is not going to be charged by itself. Rather than charging it, he decided to use this conflicts filing to say, whoa, Michael Sussman and Rodney Joffe were in the White House phone books. Not mentioning that the data in question came from pre-January 20th, 2017. In other words, Uh. came before Trump's inauguration. (laughs) And then Fox News ran with it. And they said, oh, this is proof that that Hillary Clinton was spying on the Donald Trump White House, which it was not. I mean, this is phone book information. It's not spying on the content that even if the riding Jaffe effort was looking closely at Trump Tower and at Trump's um, various real estate holdings, that would not be spying on Trump for two reasons. One is it's not content. And two... There's a very plausible argument that people near Trump, unbeknownst to Trump, were infiltrating his campaign. For six years now, Trump has treated these allegations of foreign agents, and it's not just Russia, it's also Turkey, it's Israel, it's uh, the Emirates, it's Uh Ukraine, I'm probably missing some. You know, like, people from every country was like, it's really easy to get to this guy, pay his, (laughs) because the people near him have have zero morals, zero ethics, so pay them. And then we'll have, you know, we'll all of a sudden own the National Security Advisor, which was Turkey's plan. You know, through all of this, Trump has never viewed these potential infiltrations as a threat to him. He has instead viewed the FBI as a threat and did in this case, and FBI and Fox News went wild. And importantly, the way in which Fox News blew this up involved people who know better. Involved, in particular, Kash Patel, who, uh, who first pursued these allegations. He asked Michael Sussman about, knowing about the CIA meeting, he asked Michael Sussman about it in a December 2017 HIPSI interview he did. And after this, quote unquote, revelation in the Durham filing, Kash Patel made at least three lies about what was in the statement. And... Fox News used Patel's statements to make false claims themselves. And that ultimately led, as all things do, to Donald Trump threatening to kill people, including, for instance, <laughs> in Michael Sussman and Rodney Duff. So that's right, the
1: short version. Because they need to die. Now, a couple of quick clarifications. The the phone book data that you suggest, they can see that somebody called this number, but that's all. They have the call duration, but no content. They know, don't know who spoke to who. Or, or for they indeed spoke, they just see the numbers that were called and the duration of the call, right?
4: Not even the duration. Of Not even the call. Even I mean, the so duration. these are lookups. These uh. are these are like the, these are the internet equivalent of somebody saying, "Hey, I want to look up um, uh, the the key allegation in question." The new one that was in this filing is that um, Jaffe's researchers had found some Yoda phones, some Russian smartphones, right? Um, That from the vicinity of the White House, we're looking up, we're trying to find the Yoda phone server. So in other words, your phone and my phone 20 times a day, look up Apple servers and Google servers because we use both. I mean, I don't know what kind of. I have an Android Okay, so yours looks up Google servers 20 times a day. Mm-hmm. My phone looks up Apple servers 20 times a day and Google servers 20 times a day because I use Google products on my iPhone. I see. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's the normal way that, that smartphones work. So a huge amount of this lookup traffic that Rodney Joffe has access to is just that, is people's normal phones, the common phones you see every day, doing lookups to servers to see if there's an update gotcha. that the phone needs to download. What was unusual about this traffic is that phones in the United States are unbelievably rare because they're not built to work on U.S. Mm. network. But phones are very, gotcha. very uncommon, and it's just weird that somebody in the White House would be using one. Okay. That's it. That's all. That's and th- also somebody in Spectrum Health and also somebody in Trump Tower. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so this seems to
1: me to be very analogous to Bill Barr and his early take on the Mueller report, Durham releases this filing late on a Friday and Fox runs with their interpretation of the narrative, which went unchallenged over the weekend because it was the weekend. So they put their spin on it, said Hillary Clinton was spying on Trump in the White House and in the Trump Tower and everything. And then they just ran with it and nobody was pushing back on the false narrative that they created. Do I have that? Well, I was pushing back. You were. I mean, I was right. literally pushing you back were. within
4: minutes of when these people first started. Right. But the corporate um, media wasn't. Yeah. And and it was actually, it's a very funny instance because, um, you know, Fox News, as you said, got to set the narrative about what was in this filing over the course of the weekend, yep. which was false. Right. And I was pushing out, pointing out that it was false all weekend long. And I was pointing out that, you know, Trump was threatened to kill people because Rodney Joffe tried to keep the... Obama White House secure from hackers. That's what it amounts to. And then by Sunday, by Monday, uh, the frothy right were accusing the lamestream media. Trump actually issued a statement complaining about the lamestream media, uh, complaining that they didn't cover it. And Charlie Savage did a very good piece and actually went and called the researchers and said, what happened? And they're like, it's all Obama data. It's not Trump data. And (laughs) then the same frothy right-wingers were like, how dare Charlie Savage report this accurately? And as people picked up, I mean, like I did a MSNBC appearance. Charlie did a bunch of appearances. He cleans up better than I do, of course. Um, After Charlie did a bunch of appearances, then the frothy right were complaining that Charlie was accurately debunking the false claims of this. And then by last Friday, Glenn Kessler, Washington Post, did a really good piece tracing how this was blown up. And it's it's important because Michael Sussman complained on Monday, so a a week ago from today, Sussman said, hey, take that filing down. It's not accurate. People threatened to kill us because of it. (laughs) And then later in the week, Durham puts a new prosecutor on the team, which, you know, I got a lot of theories about why a new prosecutor was added to make these claims Sometimes prosecutors, lawyers do that when the original lawyers can't make the claims in good faith. Huh. So in other words, you make somebody who can say, well, we had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and she claimed that these were third parties, the ones that blew up this spy line. And oh, we only did it because there was a real conflict. And A, they never claimed there was a conflict for the White House. They said, you know, there's this defense team member and he may have a conflict because he used to work for Jim Comey. That was the nature of the conflict. And oh, by the way, he also worked in the White House, but that's not a conflict. So now they're claiming that they raised the White House because this guy worked at the White House, even though they they agree it's not a conflict. That's one. Two, they made this third party claim. The third party claim is bullshit. Because, as I noted, Kash Patel played a key role in it. Kash Patel was the person who started this line of inquiry as a, as a senior HIPC staffer. Kash Patel worked in the National Security Council for years at the White House. And if he thought this was an issue, he could have shot, you know, he could have done something about it. Kash Patel was DOD's chief of staff for the transition period. And so in that position, he could have gone in and, and referred to the DARPA contract that it's at the core of this. Kash Patel did none of that. Mm-hmm. cash patel instead came out and lied about what the filing said knowing full well or he should have known full well that he was lying so one he's not a third party two john ratcliffe who if uh listeners remember rick Rennell was this basically poster a twitter poster who became the ambassador to germany and after that because he was confirmed by the Senate, became the director of national intelligence. Even Republicans recognized that he should not be uh, director of national intelligence. And so they made John Ratcliffe, who had misrepresented his DOJ experience to get elected, they made him director of national intelligence instead. And former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, who was confirmed for the job, but who was also manifestly unqualified for it, by his own telling has met multiple times with durham's prosecutors he's a witness for them Uh and he's another one who made false claims about this plan that hillary clinton had to make accusations about russia donald trump is the guy who hired john durham to be u.s attorney like you know. Uh, DOJ is making these claims like, oh, if somebody once worked in a part of the White House that had nothing to do with this or once worked for Jim Comey and once met James Baker in the cafeteria, it might be a conflict. Well, Donald Trump hired John Durham. Yes. And he's the one who started making death threats out of this. And then I also commented later that another really key player in all of this was Sergey Millian. Right. Okay, So Sergey Millian. Remember, he is a Trump associate who was himself under investigation for ties to Russia and was named in all of this and has been cheerleading a lot of Durham's efforts. But Sergey Millian, or at least his Twitter account, is a witness against the one other active of prosecution here, against a guy named Igor Danchenko. And Sergey Millian, best as I can tell, was the first person to call this spy. Huh. And so effectively uh-huh. what John Durham did was say our key witness against Igor Danchenko misrepresents the facts. Okay. He's not a third party. He's a witness. He's a named witness. He was his Twitter account, the same one that said this was spying. His Twitter account was presented to the grand jury as credible evidence against Igor Danchenko. So Durham should have a real problem with all this. We'll see what comes of it right Uh, now didn't
1: he didn't he sort of disavow the coverage that you know Fox and the other right-wing crazy wingnut outlets have been pushing
4: yeah he did I mean he didn't come as far as saying that they're all wrong but he did say they're all wrong if you read it closely enough but Again, he disavowed it as unrelated to his investigation, and that's false. These right. you know, it's like the originator of the investigation, a serial witness, two prosecutors, a key witness against Igor Danchenko and the guy who hired Durham in the first place. those four people all had a key role in blowing up this declaration into something that it wasn't. Durham has no business claiming they're third parties. They're not. They're a key part of his investigation.
1: So, for basically a week, Fox and the rest of the right-wing media pushed this narrative, sort of like Barr did with the Mueller report at the beginning before we saw it. They're alleging something happened that was not in the findings. Durham sort of removed himself from it, but he didn't want to go out on a limb. He, after all, was appointed by Trump to do this investigation into the origins of the Mueller probe,
4: right? That was- yeah, I mean, who knows what the current scope <laughs> of it is? But yeah, uh, yeah, that's the idea is that, that um, Durham is working on an argument that the Russian investigation against Trump would not have happened except for Michael Sussman bringing these anomalous data to the FBI. No one has yet disproven that they were anomalous data. And that's something that Michael Sussman argued on Thursday in a motion to dismiss. One. And two, the steel dossier. Now, none of that makes sense because the investigation against people like Carter Page and George Papadopoulos, those investigations were open before the team that was investigating got the Steel da- dossier and before this meeting with Michael Sussman. You know, there is an allegation that the Steele dossier helped the FBI get a FISA warrant against Carter Page. Okay, But for example, there's no evidence, and I've pointed out affirmatively that it never showed up in the Mueller warrants against Michael Cohen. There's no evidence. The most serious allegations in the Steele dossier were actually against Michael Cohen. None of that shows up in the warrants that that Robert Mueller used to get, the affidavits that Mueller used to get warrants against Michael Cohen. And as I've pointed out, What Mueller found out is that Michael Cohen and Donald Trump were, in fact, during the campaign, hiding communications with the Kremlin. (laughs) They were not the communications with the Kremlin that the Steele dossier described. And that's sort of interesting because the woman that that those allegations came from was somebody who had direct ties to Dmitry Peskov, who was the communication with the Kremlin that Michael Cohen was trying to hide during the election. (laughs) You know, so it's it's like that makes it very easy to say Dmitry Peskov told that woman something false uh, to kind of hide the fact that there really were communications with the Kremlin, which there were. Michael Cohen admitted to under oath yep. there were communications with yep. the Kremlin.
1: You know, the pushback that's coming from people supposedly on the left, I guess, further left than we are. So I get an email this morning. 6.38 a.m. it's uh, stamped, from a Robert Christian who says, I know you are sure the right-wing and or Fox noise is creating doubts about Russiagate, but many other respectable journalists and video hosts doubt, with proof, the legitimacy of Russiagate as well. Just please listen to this. And he sends me a video of <laughs> Jimmy Dore talking to Russell Brand, and I wrote, yeah, are you kidding me? That's the, the great political minds that you sent to me? I just can't. So Marcy Wheeler, please, Russiagate, what are they talking about and what are they saying we got so wrong? That's one. Then the other part of it is, and it's sort of related but not really, uh, someone commented on uh, one of my YouTube videos about, uh, you know, when I said Hillary Clinton pushed back and and brought out the term um, malice in a legal sense, and all of a sudden Fox stopped doing this story that basically was all they talked about for days. So were they threatened by Hillary Clinton's invocation of a legal term, basically saying, keep this up, I'm going to sue your asses? um, I don't
4: know whether, yeah, let me start with the Hillary allegation. I don't know whether it was Hillary who uh, warned Fox or somebody else. I mean, Rodney Jaffe, certainly the, the claims made about him were ridiculous. Um, and Sussman as well. What the blow up of this filing has done has made it a lot harder for Michael Sussman to get a fair trial in DC and that's his point. I wouldn't even be surprised if somebody close to the Durham investigation told Fox to cool down because Mm -hmm. it really threatens Durham's ability to bring Michael Sussman to trial and Michael Sussman is and will continue to argue that this is a bullshit prosecution. And I've argued, I did last week in Morning Joe, that this investigation is actually in real trouble. Mm. Um, they One thing that Fox News didn't care to report, but which is amazing, is that um, one of the allegations that, that Durham made against Sussman is that he was coordinating with the Hillary campaign on bringing this anomalous data to the FBI. Um, And so uh, he was charged in September and that was included in the indictment. And so in October, uh, well, in starting in September, but that's not in documents, but in a document in October, Sussman was like, who? Name names, name the names of the Hillary people that I was coordinating with. Mm -hmm. And later October, uh, Durham said, uh, points to three paragraphs in the indictment, none of which show that Sussman was directly coordinating with the Hillary campaign, which I took at that point to to be proof that he can't back that allegation. Sussman last week revealed that Durham never interviewed a single full-time Hillary staffer until November, two months after he was indicted. Wow. That's a stunning, stunning, stunning revelation. Durham also um, never bothered to look for James Baker's phones. They all the t- all this time they were in DOJIG's possession. Never bothered to go get it. Found out about it in in uh, January that they existed, and and then had to scramble and provide that to to Sussman and discover. So basically, what we're learning is that Durham didn't do basic investigation before he charged Sussman, and that's a real problem. Interesting. Um, so. And I think Sussman actually went very gently on uh, Durham in his motion to dismiss. He basically said, you know, this is not a material lie, but um, but uh, uh, that's stunning. Like, that's stunning incompetence from an investigative standpoint. And one wonders what, you know, what what he's been doing instead of investigating, instead of interviewing the people he would need to interview to make the allegations he made in the indictment, what he's been doing instead is... Meeting with John Ratcliffe, who have I mentioned that he lied to get elected about his background in DOJ? So that's 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 where you're getting it. Wow. The Russia the RussiaGate thing you asked about. Yes. The term RussiaGate. The people who use the term RussiaGate are virtually unanimously members of an effort um and it's a, it's a right left effort it's people like Glenn Greenwald yep. wherever he is on the spectrum right now besides apologizing for fascists it's <laughs> republicans and it's people like Jimmy Dore yes. and um and they used the term to pretend that the russian investigation was about the dossier and about the alpha bank allegations and so there was an effort and it was it involved um it involved Oleg Uh huh from very early on to make the dossier substitute for the actual allegations against Trump. And they pursued it very aggressively. Uh, Paul Manafort came back from having met with Oleg Deripaska's deputy saying, here's how we're going to rebut this. And Oleg Deripaska, by the way, knew about the dossier project very early on and probably was feeding it Russian disinformation. So what you're seeing is from very early, I mean, like literally before the Russians were done hacking Hillary Clinton, the Russians had started to undermine any investigation into their hacking by using the dossier to supplant it, to... Distract people to say, don't look at the actual communications with the with the Kremlin that Michael Cohen had in January 2016. Instead, let's make allegations that he met with them in Prague in August and September of 2016. That's that's what this is about. So when you hear, hear the term Russia Gate, yeah. you immediately say Russia Gate is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the documented allegations that um, Trump that. Tons of people tried to cultivate Trump via a series of means, including via Trump's rat for <laughs> Roger Stone and Trump's campaign manager, Paul Manafort. And we don't yet know what the ties between Trump's rat for <laughs> Roger Stone and the Russians were, but um, there, there are credible allegations he knew of their plans as early as May or even April. And we know that Paul Manafort went to a cigar bar and told Konstantin Kalimnik, who has now been declared a Russian intelligence agent, Mm -hmm. told him what the campaign strategy to get elected was at a meeting where Manafort was trying to get rid of $19 million of debt to Deripaska. And in exchange for that, he gave a Deripaska deputy his plan on how you could get Donald Trump elected president and also... Seemingly agreed to help. And this is your segue. You're going to love you're going to love this seemingly agreed to help Russia's plans to carve up Ukraine. Oh, and those efforts continued through 2018. And then guess who picked up those efforts? Rudy Giuliani. And that leads us to today. Perfect place to hit
1: the pause button. That's Marcy Wheeler, who covers national security and civil liberties issues, writing at EmptyWheel.net, our guest today on the broadcast. So we taped this interview last week, on Monday, President's Day. At the time, we knew that Putin was moving troops to Russia's border with Ukraine. U.S. intelligence said Putin was getting ready to invade. Putin denied it, but obviously we now know that's exactly what happened. So we'll move past much of the Russia-Ukraine discussion, as the situation is now unfortunately apparent for the whole world to see. And we'll get to January 6th. We'll do that in a moment. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast.
4: Hey, this is Desi Doyen of the Green News Report and the Bradcast. Did you know that you can help us stay completely independent over your public airwaves by signing up for a monthly subscription of any amount you like? Yes. Just go to Bradblog.com donate. That's Bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
3: We share the regardless of our
1: I'm Nicole Sandler, in for Brad and Desi today on the Bradcast. So we're listening to an interview that I did with Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net just last week. A few more words on Russia's invasion of Ukraine and how spot-on President Biden was in telling the world just what Putin was up to, at least taking the element of surprise away from him. We were told, first of all, that the uh, Russians would invade Ukraine Last Wednesday. Then it was by the end of the Olympics, which was yesterday. And now here we are today. We're hearing what might be like false flag reports of mortifier and gunfire and attacks or not. We don't know.
4: So what's happening today? Where are we? We do know this is false flag stuff hate or love biden hate or love the american empire one thing that biden is trying very hard to do is prevent a russian invasion okay and one of the things he's doing which is actually sort of fun is he is declassifying intelligence and the audience for this declassified intelligence is not you it's not jimmy Dore. it is vladimir putin right and um so for example one of the things they've said is there's a plan to lead basically a coup against Zelensky, replace him with a pro-Russian whatever, you know, and by the way, that's a continuation of plans that go back to the communications that Michael Cohen had with the Kremlin and to um, Paul Manafort. I mean, that's what Paul Manafort was doing starting in 2016 and 2017, 2018, and then Rudy Giuliani picked it up. So it's just a continuation of all that effort. So that's one thing that they leaked. They also leaked not just that there's a plan to create a false flag event, but also here's what the false flag event is going to be. Biden did a press conference on Friday and said the order has gone out to mobilize. And yes, the press should demand evidence for these claims, although some of them, the false flag claims, for example, we already have open source corroboration for them. So, for example, there were a bunch of videos that were released on Friday showing these events going on in the occupied region of Ukraine. And those videos that claimed to present things that happened on Friday had dates on them of Wednesday. Oh, wow. So, um, And some of them were even older. Some of them mm-hmm. were like events that were years earlier. If people care to look, Russia has never really tried to hide its false flag operations very well. They did a better job on the 2016 operation in the United States, but even then it was half-assed. But there is abundant commercial satellite of the Russian mobilization. Mm -hmm. And, for example, they claimed last week, oh, we've moved troops away from the border. And there's commercial satellites showing that that was just a, a movement. It wasn't they weren't actually pulling them away from the border. And, oh, by the way, like a lot of this invasion was happening under cover of a variety of military operations, of exercises, like sure. the exercises off the off the coast of Ireland, right? Right, um, right. And basically, Russia has moved a huge portion of its military to Belarus, to the border, the northern border of Ukraine and Belarus. And that was just supposed to be a military exercise that was supposed to end on Friday. Since then, they've said, you know, we're going to keep them there. Uh, and course. so even that cover is uh, you know has russia's already given it up it's like well we're just going to keep them there because we're going to keep them there so what biden is trying to do and if you don't want war you should applaud this. Is one he is trying to undercut the ability of a false flag operation to actually work. I mean, today there are these ridiculous allegations, like oh, five Ukrainians attacked Russia, right, or attacked these Russian troops. I'm like, <laughs> sure, are you kidding me? Right. There are 190,000 or 175,000 or however the number. The number is huge. Like there are 175,000 Russian troops, and you're trying to credibly claim that five Ukrainians attacked. Decided to on their own attack 170,000 stationed <laughs> right, Russian, Russian troops. Military right. that's like that's not even credible, and it shouldn't be treated as credible, right? Right. So one is to undercut the the false flag claims and undercut a lot of other claims that Russia has. treated. I mean, these are some of these stories are the same stories he used with Georgia in 2008 and with Ukraine in, in 2014. So they're not news stories, and Biden is just trying to ensure that it makes it harder to create any confusion about what's going on here. And frankly also makes it easier if Russia invades to impose sanctions. It makes it easier for Germany and France to join in on sanctions, for example. So that's one thing he's trying to do. He's trying to make it very clear that this is an invasion. It's not, you know, like there's no credible claim that Ukrainians are going to attack all of these amassed troops. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. Ridiculous. You know,
1: and uh, and then you take it further. Actually, I, I called Ukraine the other day. I tend to do this. I call, I like to talk to regular people to see what they think. So I called around to hotels and I finally, I got someone who spoke very good English, uh, a clerk at the Intercontinental Hotel in Kyiv. And she's like, everything's fine here. We're not worried. There's nothing happening. Yeah, there may be something, you know, in the eastern part of the country, but uh, here we're fine. Is that because that's what they've been told? And she also knew nothing. It was the day that a kindergarten was apparently bombed and she hadn't heard anything about that. She said they're not getting much information, but she didn't think there was any danger coming their way.
4: Well, Zelensky is trying really hard, and I don't blame him, to prevent panic. To keep going, uh, Because, right. cause look, I mean, he knows that there's also a coup attempt. Like, there's an attempt to replace him. Right. And so for him to maintain power, he needs to ensure that the economy of Ukraine continues as normally as possible. For example, insurers have stopped insuring flights into Ukraine. So, yeah. um, so there is an effort, and the U.S. is doing that, to ensure that normal flights keep going. Um, Because to the extent that Russia can make life in Ukraine stop, then it becomes easier to overthrow Zelensky via other means. So that's one thing, and Zelensky's trying really hard to avoid panic. Um, it's clear that he is taking steps, and when he went to Munich the other day, he, he was like, please impose the sanctions now. Right, right. So he clearly recognizes that there's a threat, but he's in a very difficult place, and I, you know, people need to understand that. To go back though, the other reason Biden is doing this, the other mm-hmm. reason that Biden is declassifying this intelligence and the other reason why You and I are not the audience for this and Jimmy Dore is not the audience for it. The audience is Vladimir Putin. And the reason you do this, the reason you say, I know that you've got a false flag plan. I know you've got a plan to replace Zelensky. I know that the order has already gone out. It's to get inside Vladimir Putin's head.
1: Sure. Um, Right.
4: And it's to get him to distrust It's to get him to to realize that the U.S. has compromised his command structure in ways that he can't prevent right now. And therefore, he doesn't know what else the United States knows. I know that there are a lot of people demanding evidence, and that is the right role for the press to do. Mm -hmm. If Putin knows it's true, then it's going to have the desired effect. in months and weeks from now you know, the CIA can provide some evidence or we can corroborate the evidence. Um, we've already corroborated the evidence of the false flag attacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then then we can look back and say, wow, it was a really smart thing and I'm grateful if it actually works. I'm grateful that Biden took these efforts to make Putin think twice before invading. Because the goal, you know, like, um, like this is why it's not like the Colin Powell speech in 2003 Before the U.N. to justify the invasion of Iraq, because and and Blinken said this the other day, I'm not trying to invade a country. I'm trying to prevent an invasion. Right. And and really, you know, again, there's no credible claim that five Ukrainian soldiers are trying to attack one (laughs) hundred and ninety thousand Russians. It's just it's just think about it. It's 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 absurd.
1: Right. It is absurd. Okay, so we've gone on for, uh, for a long time, and I so appreciate your time because you're giving us great information. So the last thing I want to touch on is what's happening with the January 6th Prosecutions Investigation Committee, Merrick Garland. I know you've been a defender of Merrick Garland, and he's come under a lot of criticism. You know, I'm on a one list. The thread that's been going on for weeks is where the fuck is Merrick Garland? But you say, give him time, he's doing the right thing, or do you still feel that way?
4: I do. The, the first thing that your listeners should know is that on Friday, Judge Ahmet Mehta, who is, happens to be the judge presiding over the, all the Oath Keepers cases, hmm. ruled against Trump in trying to dismiss three lawsuits. Right. That doesn't mean that it's proved that Trump conspired with the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. All he said is the allegations are plausible, and so the lawsuit can go forward the decision is going to be appealed certainly by everybody to the circuit court. It's not a judgment that he in fact did conspire. But the important thing about that is A, the cases will go forward for now and B, that a judge who knows more about these investigations than all but one other judge, the other one is Tim Kelly is presiding over the, um, the Proud Boys cases, has looked at it and said, yeah, this makes sense, that there was coordination between Donald Trump and the militias who coordinated the attack on on the Capitol. Uh Now, and these allegations, by the way, the most recent lawsuit in these allegations was March. So we're talking really outdated language. And there's stuff that in Meta's ruling that I can see he's pointing to stuff he knows and that stuff that I know. And that's a segue to saying that two things that people need to know. One is there are active investigations of eight close Trump associates. Okay, And so this notion that, that Merrick Garland is backing off of going after any Trump associate is just baseless. It's like it's disproven by the fact that um, Lisa Monaco is the deputy attorney general, and she's the one who oversees the day-to-day operations. And literally, literally, literally on her first day in office is the day the DOJ approved the warrants targeting Rudy Giuliani. And oh. that's not proof that they took that they prioritize going after Trump's criminals, I you know I don't know what better proof you could give, right? Gotcha. Um, it just has taken a long time to go through a privilege review of Rudy Giuliani's phones. But they've gone through everything so the data that they seized has been reviewed not just for the warrants we know about which focus on ukraine again ukraine um, but they but the, the there's been a privilege review of everything from january 1st 2018 until the data seizure which was april of 2021 and so For all we know, DOJ has obtained warrants on Rudy Giuliani, and there's reason to know that he was in communication with uh, Proud Boy affiliates um, and gotten the access to his phones already. And, you know, a lot of TV lawyers like to say, well, we would know because there would be a warrant. I'm like, there was a warrant you know, like we like DOJ has in their possession, Rudy's communications going through April 2021. Right. Um, an, another one that is fairly recent is that the lawyer that Rudy Giuliani shares with Steve Bannon and who was interviewed by the FBI twice in advance of charging Steve Bannon with contempt of Congress. And oh, by the way, I'm not including Bannon in that number eight. So if you include Bannon, no. then nine people okay. are being wow. prosecuted. But the lawyer's name is Robert Costello, and he made certain claims to the FBI and DOJ about the timing of and any coordination he had with Trump's lawyers. He said, well, I never spoke to them before I made these, took these steps. And those claims would be easily debunkable by obtaining his call records, his internet and phone records. um, And they did that they went and obtained his call records and his internet records. And they wouldn't have been able to do that unless they had reason to believe he was not telling the truth about his communications with with Trump's lawyers. But very, very interestingly, they got his internet call record. So in other words, who he had emailed, whether the person had opened the email, whether there was an attachment on the email, Mm -hmm. they got those call records going back to his last prior event representing Bannon. So he got Bannon off of a fraud charge by getting him pardoned. This is the lawyer, by the way, that Rudy used in 2018 to uh, dangle a pardon to Michael Cohen. So that he wouldn't cooperate and tell Mueller about the communications that he had with the Kremlin during the election that he was trying to hide. Um, You see how this all, this all, like, these are all connected. But anyway, um, and so the only... Logical reason why DOJ would obtain all of those internet records for a time when he was representing Rudy, but not Bannon, Uh is that they had reason to believe there was something more going on between him and other, you know, whether it's Trump or somebody else. And so that's the kind of step that, again, like approving warrants against Rudy Giuliani the first day that Lisa Monaco was in business. Um, That's another thing that is proof that not only is Merrick Garland not backing off of aggressive investigative steps, but he is taking aggressive investigative steps against people close, close to Trump. And so the one other thing I would say about people claiming that Merrick Garland is not investigating Trump. um, And he said this in his address whenever it was, you know, well, we laid the foundation in the year prior to be able to take further steps. Um, The people that we know are the next in line arising from events at the Capitol. Uh In other words, the people who were Trump's means of conspiring with the militia are Roger Stone, Uh who has ties to both the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. The Oath Keepers were literally calling in repeatedly from guarding him at the Willard Hotel on the morning of the attack, wow. to the guy who was running everything, and so wow. we know that DOJ is trying to get the next level of Oathkeeper cooperator to flip to mm. be able to testify about what actually happened in the Willard. We know that that is happening. I, I promise you that is happening. Gotcha. I don't promise you they'll do it, but I am. I, I promise you that DOJ is very, very aggressively investigating the Oathkeeper's ties with Roger Stone. I, I promise you that. Okay. Um, One of the other people who is the um, liaison between Trump and the militias is Alex Jones. Uh Alex Jones says Trump ordered me to bring them up to the Capitol. Um, There is abundant evidence that the militia running the events at the Capitol waited. They got close to invading the Capitol and waited for more bodies to come. There's a scene of Joe Biggs, who, by the way, used to work for Alex Jones. He's one of the two leaders of what the Proud Boys were doing that day. There's a scene of him saying, Alex is coming. Okay. And what happens is Joe Biggs breaks into the Capitol on the west side, leaves the Capitol, walks around the Capitol, and climbs up to the east side of the Capitol steps. Who's there when he gets there? The Oath Keepers and Alex Jones. Wow. They all meet on the east steps. And in fact, Alex Jones lies to the people who followed him from the Capitol. He says, oh, we're gonna go to the east side of the Capitol because I have a permit there. Does he lead them to where he has a permit? No, he leads them to the top of the steps. And those people that he led to the top of the steps all broke into the Capitol and got charged for it. So wow. Alex Jones is the other one. They've already arrested Alex Jones's videographer and Alex Jones's sidekick, Owen Schroyer. So they've already investigated two Infowars employees. Um, So, again, the notion that they're not going against the people that bring you to Trump is just crazy. Um, And then the third one is Rudy Giuliani. As I Uh said, Rudy Giuliani, back in January, January 15th, I think, of 2021, he posted um, texts of um, somebody who wasn't at the Capitol that day, but who has ties to the Proud Boys and who uh, was instrumental in kind of seeding the initial effort to try and blame it on Antifa. And that guy had ties to people who were in the Capitol. So you've got, uh, Trump's lawyer talking about the fate of people who were at the Capitol. And so that's one of the ways that they're going to get to Rudy Giuliani and his ties to the militia and they're doing it. So the notion that it's not happening, it's just, that's the way it's going to work. It's not, I mean, they're also investigating Sidney Powell, you know, um, and as I said, they. Steve Bannon, contempt, yep. it's not going to go from the Willard down. Although I think the vote certification, you know, um, Lisa Monaco also said they're investigating that. So Good. they are investigating key, at, you know, they're investigating Sidney Powell. They're investigating the vote certifiers. That means they are by definition investigating Mark Meadows. That's why I believe they have not charged Mark Meadows with contempt, because that's a hard case to bring. It's an easier case to bring that he obstructed justice by replacing his phone and thereby... Uh, destroying evidence of the signal texts that he had with people at the Capitol. And he had with these certifiers. Oh. Um, the other thing about the Bannon investigation that it shows is Uh, DOJ had to share evidence of them obtaining his lawyer's call records because it's necessary in discovery. His, his lawyer probably was tipped off that they had done this because they went to his law firm to get his call records as well. And so after he was tipped off, he joined Bannon's team and Bannon may bring, you know, may call this lawyer to the stand. And so they had to give it to Bannon in discovery. And so it tipped Bannon off to, investigative steps very aggressive very uh, aggressive investigative steps that they otherwise wouldn't have had to tip him off to and that's another reason to delay charging mark meadows mm. um because once you've charged him you have to start turning over evidence i got until you charge okay. him you don't have to i see and so, ah. so i think that um you know again that that there is a much stronger case that mark meadows obstructed justice because he knew there was an ongoing investigation and replaced his phone and destroyed evidence wow. and therefore um I'm sure DOJ would rather charge him with that than charge him with obstructing Congress because the charges are stronger, the penalty is stronger, it's more likely they can coerce him to flip if they charge him with that, and more directly goes to his personal involvement in January 6th.
1: Right. And one other thing to keep in mind is while the January 6th House Select Committee may be limited if, God forbid, the, the Democrats lose the House in November, the Republicans will come in and disband that committee or do something else, turn the tables or whatever they do. This DOJ investigation is not going to go away at, after the midterms, regardless of what happens. It's the DOJ under the Biden administration. So they're there until 2024. Yes.
4: Yeah. I mean, obviously, Jim Jordan, who's he's an insurrectionist. He was involved. Yes, right. Yes. He will be if Republicans take the House, which is probably the default assumption, he will become the um, judiciary chair, uh-huh. if not the speaker. Oh, God. <laughs> but oh, uh, God. and yeah, and he will try and la- launch an impeachment probe of Merrick Garland. You can bet that he will do everything he can <sighs> to obstruct this. But look, I mean, it's February. There's there's it's a long time to go until November. A lot
1: will happen between now and November.
4: A lot will happen. And I think that, um, you know, the, like the Republican party censured Liz Cheney and they ultimately admitted the reason they censured Liz Cheney is because, um, the January 6th committee subpoenaed the top two members of the fake electors. And, um, there's a woman, Kathy burden, who was one of the two Michiganders that they subpoenaed. And, and, um, Uh, Ronna McDaniel, Ronna Ronna Romney McDaniel admitted (laughs) that that's why she backed the effort to censure Liz Cheney. And I promise you that, I mean, Kathy Burden is very close. Her, her, Ronna McDaniel's political success has relied on Kathy Burden. And so if Kathy Burden testifies honestly about her role in the fake electors, you're now butting up against Ronna McDaniel you're butting up against the institutional Republican party committing a crime. That's and true. so, you know what, I don't know what's going to come of that investigation. And of course, if Kathy Burden is one of the fake electors had a key role in the fake electors, then by definition, she's under, under the investigation according to Lisa Monaco. So the Republican party has committed itself to backing Trump and they've had to, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Not just because Trump, is how they were able to get a minority that nevertheless could get enough votes in a gerrymandered map to win. But they've had to because Trump is threatening them, threatening them all with, you know, retaliation and physical violence and so on and so forth. But if that turns out to be a mistake, then who knows what's going to happen in November? We really don't know.
1: No. Oh my goodness. I don't know how you keep it all straight. I try and my head explodes. There comes a point, I just have to step back and and know that I can go over to EmptyWheel.net and read about all of this. And you cover it all comprehensively. So you still have questions, go to EmptyWheel.net and read because there's tons more information there. Marcy Wheeler truly is one of the best in the business. Brad and Desi will be back in time for the next show. You can find me at NicoleSampler.com, where I host a new program every weekday afternoon at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. Until next time, I'm Nicole Sampler, really echoing Brad Friedman and saying, good luck, world, boy, do we ever need
3: it.